0: The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. There's some words in that song that, uh, that are so meaningful. That third verse, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be there. Can you? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what it was like for folks who were physically there at that time, the ladies that we're going to talk about here in just a moment, on their way to look at the grave, not knowing what awaited them there and what they would see there that was far different maybe than what they expected? There in the ground his body lay. I I can't imagine. And then the the next line, bursting forth like glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again. I I can't imagine arriving at a tomb that I thought had my Savior in it. And there was nobody there. (laughs) And we're going to see exactly some emotions that were that were experienced by these first responders, so to speak. But here's what I want to kind of introduce before. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. So one thing I want to say about this passage before we read it is we've seen this all before. And and maybe you'll understand more of what I'm talking about when when I say this. We've seen this all before. It's nothing new. The Bible tells us the truth. And the world tells us a lie. Okay? So that's why the, the title of the message today is Just As He Said. Just As Jesus Said. Because the Bible tells us the truth and the world tells us a lie. So let's be clear. It's not that the truth wasn't known. Okay? It's simply that the truth of God is not acceptable to the world. So I want you to understand the, the difference in those two statements. Uh, it's not that the people there didn't know the truth. And we're going to see that specifically when we get to verse 11. Don't, now don't, don't be getting ahead of me now. Don't read ahead. But the point is that it's not that the truth is not known. It's that the truth of God is not acceptable. God's truth just doesn't seem to fit into the world's system. So the important thing to notice today in today's passage is The world's unwillingness to accept the truth of God does not prevent the story from being told. Just because many in the world don't want to hear the gospel doesn't mean we don't share the gospel. Does that make sense? We have a a, a commission, a great commission. God's people are still obedient to the mission, even in this passage, and that is take the gospel with you everywhere you go. So let's read today Matthew 28 verses 1 through 15, which is ironic because it's the 15 verses that precede the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew 28, beginning verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead, and behold... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, "'You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble.'" And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that this word of yours would be made clear to us, that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding, that you would help us to then be obedient to the truth we find here in your word. And Lord, I pray if there's anything that I'm planning to say that doesn't fit into your purposes for us today, just help me not to say it, and that only your words, only your truth, would be heard by us today, and that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds because of your word to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a couple of things here that may not be um, maybe your typical sermon about this text, and, and that's okay. I'm not... A typical preacher, I guess, so that's all right. But, but what I found here in this text today, leading up to the Great Commission, but cataloging Matthew's um, particular slant, or what God gave him to tell his Jewish audience about the resurrection, is there's a huge contrast between a couple of groups of people here. And, and so as we walk through these, these 15 verses, it's going to be maybe not as lengthy, uh, as, as I would typically be. Can I get a witness? Everybody okay with that? If it's a little less, less lengthy? All right, so, but here's the thing. We see some things about God's Word, about His message, and then we see some things about the world's message and how there's a contrast between the two. Okay, and that's important. It's important that we see that and then we see how it affects us as believers, as those following Jesus, and as those sent to tell a message, tell a story to people who need to hear it and need to understand it and receive it. So number one, what we see in this text is God's Word is true. God's Word is true. Okay, so what happens at the very beginning of this text here? Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, come to look at the grave on Sunday morning at dawn, right after dawn. Now, it says they came to look at the grave. You know why? Because they couldn't get in the grave because there was a stone in front of it, right? And it was guarded by soldiers, or so they thought. So they came to look at the grave on Sunday morning. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 2 that an earthquake had occurred. Not that it occurred when they got there, it had already happened. And here's why it happened. An angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and rolled away the stone and sat up on it. Now, there's a note right here that's important. Do you know why the stone was rolled away? It was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so we could get in. See, Jesus didn't need any help coming out of the tomb. You understand that? He's God. He didn't need any help from anybody to do anything. Okay? The purpose of the stone being rolled away is so the people could get in and see for themselves He's not there. That tomb has been vacated. Okay? That's a true catalog of the events of that time. So the angel's appearance was like lightning, the Bible says, clothes white as snow. The guards, it says, that the guards at the tomb were so scared by the presence of this angel, they shook and says they became like dead men. So I don't know if that means they actually died or if they just fell over and, you know, were unconscious, I don't know. But the point is, they weren't of any use to anybody at that point because they were Scared to death, maybe, literally. So they were terrified. Then the angel told the women. Now, interesting, verse 5, the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Now, do you recall another time that that phrase was uttered by an angelic visitor? There were some shepherds out on the countryside watching their sheep. And when Jesus was born... The angels came to announce His coming. You remember what the first thing they said to the shepherd was? Don't be afraid. Why not? Because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Hmm. That's good news. Well, this angel had to calm some people down because he didn't want these women falling out like the soldiers had. So he said, don't be afraid. I'm about to tell you something really, really good. So after he calmed them and said, he's not, you know, don't be afraid, he knew they were looking for Jesus who was crucified. You see that in verse 5? I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. So what did he tell them? Well, he, he's not here. He's risen. And then the, the all-important phrase, just as he said, See, if we don't remember what Jesus said, then we might be shocked when it's actually true. But the more we remember what Jesus said, and then it actually happens, then we think, "Yep, that's just—he said exactly what was going to happen, and it did." Because you know what? Jesus can be trusted; his word can be trusted. So when we remember what he has said to us, it helps us to understand the events that take place following what He's told us. So He is not here. He has risen just as He said. And then if that were not enough, look what the angel says in verse 6. Come see for yourselves. Because the stone's gone. See, now they can get in and verify the message. Can you imagine the depth of the faith necessary at that point were the stones still in place? You understand the importance of the stone being rolled away? So the people could go in. So it's it's not like the angel says, "Hey, um, I know the stone's still there, and I know you can't really fact check my message." But guess what? He's not in there, and they would be. Yeah, okay, sure. Well, guess what? The stone was missing. It was rolled out of the way, so they could walk right in and verify. Well, he was there. I saw him die. He was buried. The guards were here. The stone was in place. What, what happened here? It must have been a miracle. So look at the place where he was lying. And then here is the commission. Verse 7. Go quickly and tell. Now I understand that this particular command of the angel to the ladies was meant for a very specific audience at a specific time with specific information. I understand that. But I want you to not miss the command that the angel gave to them. Go quickly and tell. What are we supposed to be doing? Go and tell with urgency. The Great Commission presupposes some movement on the part of god's people go and tell to neighbors and to nations go and tell we have a story that's true that needs to be shared go quickly he said tell his disciples he has risen from the dead this is maybe the most uh, concise version of the gospel you could possibly have jesus is alive okay? there's a lot of other stuff to it but jesus is alive so he says go quickly tell his disciples Jesus is alive. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You're going to see him there. And then the last thing the angel says, it's like he announces uh, his assignment is complete. He says, behold, I've told you. So my job is over. I've given you the message, right? So now what's our responsibility? Take that message and go and tell it. So God's word is true, and he's given us this message to share with others. Number two, God's Word is consistent. Look at verse 8, verses 8, 9, and 10. Now this is, I don't know, You know, I talked a minute ago about what would you have thought had you been there in person? Well, this part of the story, I have a good idea of what I might have done. I mean, we all say that. Well, I know what I would have done if I would have been there. Well, maybe so, maybe not. But if I had just encountered an angel... And I was able to hold it together long enough to hear from the angel and then I'm walking to do what the angel told me to do and then Jesus shows up I might just I might just be on the ground you know who knows, who knows what would happen at that point but I'm telling you Jesus shows the consistency of the message given to his people because he tells the ladies the exact same thing. the ladies left the tomb quickly it says so they were being obedient because in Verse 7, the angel said, Go quickly. Verse 8, it says, They left the tomb quickly, so they're being obedient. But look at their emotions fear and great joy. Now, isn't that interesting? Have you ever been really happy but really scared at the same time about something? I'm trying to think of a time where that, uh, that would have happened. And I, I actually thought of one. I've got three daughters. And if you've ever been present at the birth of a child, particularly your own, uh, great joy and some fear, especially the first one. Oh my! What am I supposed to do now? I got a lot of responsibility. That child is 100% dependent on me and her mother, and it's just the two of us and God. And hope we hope we do all right. And then it gets a little, little better with the next one and a little better with the next one, but still, fear and great joy. In particular, personally, this is just a word from my life, when our youngest, Sarah, was born, there was a lot of joy, but there was maybe some more fear because, as many of you know, uh, my wife was in, in a, bad, a bad predicament health-wise, when Sarah was born. Sarah was perfectly healthy. Everything was great. But her mother, not so much. Intensive care for almost two weeks, and her heart had not, was not functioning correctly. And a, lot of, a lot of fear. A lot of joy. A lot of fear. Those two emotions maybe happen more often than we realize. But the Bible articulates it in such a way to, to help us see why would these ladies be going quickly to be obedient to the angel's uh, commandment but have those two emotions, fear and great joy? I suspect it's because they had just encountered a heavenly being. Oh, my word. Okay, that's going to shake you up a little bit. But then the prospect of the fact that the angel said Jesus is alive, great joy. Great joy. And they're on their way to try to repeat this message and they're not sure uh, what the disciples are going to say, how they're going to react, and so they're just going to do what the angel told them to do. And then, lo and behold, Jesus met the ladies on their way and He greeted them. Now, I don't know what type of greeting it was, but I imagine it would have to be... It wouldn't be like He jumped out from behind a tree and said, Hey! you know, Because that would be... No, that's a little much because it was already Jesus standing there, so that that might just be too much for them to handle. But it says that Jesus met the ladies on their way, greeted them, and they took hold of his feet and worshiped. So the, the great joy portion here is just overflowing. They see Jesus in the flesh and they're worshiping him, but look what Jesus says. Here's the consistency of the message. What was the first thing the angel said? Don't be afraid. What's the first thing Jesus said? Don't be, don't be afraid. See, when we feel emotions or experience feelings of fear, even if they're coupled with joy, there's only one ultimate source of peace at that point. When, when Jesus says, don't be afraid, that's trustworthy. Trustworthy. We, we can take that and know that it's, uh, it's true. It can be believed. And so Jesus says, don't be afraid. But then He repeats the same message. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They're going to see me there. That's exactly what the angel told the ladies to tell the disciples. So you see, even in this brief encounter, there's a consistency to God's Word. There is... A lot of information in this Bible. There are 66 books. They're divided into an Old Testament of 39 books, a New Testament of 27 books. It was written over, written down over a period of 1,500 years. And it took place on three different continents by more than 40 human authors in three different languages. And guess what? There's a consistent theme from beginning to end. I, and I'm going to just say this. And if you want to have a long theological discussion, I'll be happy to have that uh, over a period of a few days with you if you want to set aside some time. But I'm going to just tell you the conclusion of what the conversation would be like. There's no contradiction in this book. It's true. From beginning to end, it's true. And, and I, can, I can demonstrate that for you. I can show it to you. I can show you all the internal and external evidence, all the archaeological proof, all the evidence you ever wanted to see Uh, from a literary verification standpoint, anything you want to see. But guess what? If you don't believe it, by faith in Christ, it's not going to make a bit of difference to you. I can prove to you the Bible's true. But that's not going to change your heart. Did you hear what I said? It's not going to change your heart. I can fill your head with knowledge. It's not going to change your heart. But I can tell you that the the Word of God is true and the Word of God is consistent. Consistent. Now, finally, in verse 11, here's the contrast. The world's message is a lie. Number three, the world's message is a lie. Do you see what happened while the ladies were on their way to the disciples, while they encountered Jesus? What was happening on the other side of town? The guards apparently woke up, they headed into the city, and they reported. Look at verse 11. They reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. You know what that means? That means that at that particular point, the chief priest had the truth. Uh, They didn't suffer from any kind of lack of information. It wasn't that they were misinformed. They were told by the guards who were there exactly what happened. Everything that happened. That's what the Bible says told them everything that happened so so what what got lost in translation see look at the next verse verse twelve says that the chief priests that's the they in that verse the chief priests had assembled with the elders so now here's what you have you have a room full of the religious establishment having a committee meeting and they're they're tossing around the information they just got from the soldiers so they got the first-hand witness account from the soldiers who were there, the guards. So they knew the truth, and then they had to assemble and consult with one another. And so what happened between verse 11 and verse 13? Well, verse 12, they decided they were going to bribe the guards. says they paid them a large sum of money. And I'm going to tell you why it'd have to be a large sum of money to get them to believe this nonsense in just a second. Verse 13 says, here's what you're going to say. Uh, all right, so uh, y'all were standing there at the, at the tomb, and I, you, know, you were just tired. It was all night, so you went to sleep, took a nap, and, and his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And so verse 14 says that if that story should make its way to the governor, by the way, you remember who the governor was? Pilate. Pontius Pilate. So, remember, he didn't want to have anything to do with this whole thing to begin with. But he said, the chief priests and the elders say, all right, if, if for some reason this story gets back to Pilate, it will uh, satisfy him and will keep you out of trouble. Only one problem with that. You know what the job of Roman soldiers and guards were in that time period? You know how serious it was to be in that position? How much responsibility and accountability was placed on you if you were a guard or a Roman soldier? You know what the penalty would have been if somebody found out they fell asleep on the job? They'd have got killed. So this whole story... See, when you tell... Listen listen to me. And, And if you're under 25, I want you to listen really, really closely. Every time you tell a lie, you better remember what you said because you're going to have to tell a sequence of lies after that to cover up the first lie you told. See, that's, that's why the, the best thing to do is tell the truth because then you don't have to remember what you said. Just tell the truth. See, every time you tell a lie, they concocted this story out of thin air because they didn't, they didn't like what really happened. They didn't like the truth. So they had to tell a lie. And then they told the soldiers another lie because they said, oh, it'll keep you out of trouble. No, it won't. If you fell asleep on the job as a Roman soldier, you'd probably get your head chopped off. You certainly wouldn't have a job anymore. So there'd be severe consequences for these guards regardless of what they said. Unless they told the truth, then they might actually meet the one they were so scared of. So the chief priests and the elders tell the guards, here's what you're going to say. If it gets to the governor, we'll win him over. You'll be out of trouble. And verse 15 says they took the money, did as they have been told, had they have been instructed. And then look at the final statement in verse 15. This story was widely spread among the Jews. Now, why would he say that? Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. So his whole purpose in Matthew's gospel, the whole purpose is to demonstrate over and over and over that Jesus is the Messiah because the Jews did not accept him as such. And so all the times in the early parts of Matthew, and even in the middle part of the Gospel, you see Matthew is constantly quoting Old Testament Scripture because he's talking to a Jewish audience. Now, Jews hold the Old Testament dearly, and so if they trusted that part of God's Word, he would consistently demonstrate to them through the Old Testament Scriptures See how this fulfilled this, and this fulfilled this, and Jesus did that. This is the the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. So, this story was widely circulated among the Jews because they didn't want to hear the real truth. And then the the final phrase in verse 15 says, And it is to this day. Now, you can take that a, a, a few different ways, but, you know, Matthew's writing in the first century, and it says to this day. So granted, it, it at least means that in his day, years, um, you know, 20 years or 30 years after the events, the, sor- the story was still being circulated. But, but guess what? What year is it? 2021? Guess what's still being circulated? Any kind of lie you can think of, as long as it's not, Jesus is alive. The, the truth is just too much for the world to handle, apparently. So it, it might be a, a half a dozen different stories that are not true as long as we don't have to hear about Jesus rising from the grave. Because that's just too crazy to think about. So that's how this particular passage ends. God's Word is true. God's Word is consistent. The world's message is a lie. Now, how do we conclude all that? What is our major takeaway from today's scripture? What is it that we don't want to forget? We've read this story. Uh, I I suppose we're familiar enough to know what the final five verses of this gospel tell us about go and make you disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. But just this portion, what is it that we can't forget about this? Because I think one of the I believe one of the most striking parts of this story today is that contrast between God's message and the world's message. One is true, one is a lie. And see, we have God's Word. Um, We have incredible access to it. I bet if I were to take a poll in this room right now, I, I would say... Everybody in this room, if not every individual, at at the very least, every family in this room right now, perhaps even those watching on the live stream, every single one has at least one Bible in your home. Maybe each individual, but at least each family. And, And if you don't have a physical... Hard copy of God's Word in your home. If you've got a a phone or a computer, then you have even more access than that. If you've got internet, then you've got. Um, there's a, a a few different apps and and sites you can go to. I, there's one that I if I have to cut and paste like even for the scripture I put on the PowerPoint slides today. There's a site where I can go and I can immediately have it on the screen in. 20 different translations, uh, different languages, and all I have to do is just copy and paste, and there it is. We have almost unlimited access to Scripture. You know what that means? No excuse. Because we have the truth. Just like the chief priests, we have been given a report of everything that happened. So it's not that we don't have the truth. It's what are we going to do with the truth. What, what are we going to do with the truth we've been given? It's been entrusted to us. So are we going to just uh, discard it, not listen to it, not incorporate it, not believe it? Because I know from experience and from plain reason that God's Word is a consist, the consistent source of truth that guides us through life. And the, the message of the world around us is constantly changing just to suit the desires of sinful people. That's what the world offers. There's a clear contrast between what you get from God's Word and what you get from the world. So the fact that God's Word is true and consistent ought to be a tremendous encouragement for God's people who are commissioned, after all, to take the gospel to neighbors and nations who are lost without Christ. So I asked the question just a second ago, what are the main takeaways? What are we supposed to learn from this? And then how do we go forward from today and say, all right, I want to obey that scripture. What do I do? Well... I mentioned earlier I was driving in this morning early and I saw the sun coming over the trees and uh, when I left the house it was dark. By the time I got here it was not. So I, I actually watched the, the sun come up and uh, you know I had a lot of different thoughts. But let me, just, let me just share with you two things that God told me this morning. And I say told me he, he put it in my mind. He didn't speak out loud. If, if he'd have spoke out loud, I'd have wrecked. But he, he, he put it in my mind as clear as day. And, and this, this applies to me. Okay, I'm not telling you. It applies to you. But I am asking you to consider it because I suspect it might. But I'm just speaking for me individually. This is what my conversation with God was like this morning. First of all, I don't want to be the reason that the gospel isn't taken everywhere it needs to go. It's called personal reflection. It's called uh, examination. We're we're observing the Lord's Supper next Sunday. And you know what the Bible says? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. A man must examine himself before coming to this table and taking the cup and the bread. Examine yourself. So I was examining myself this morning, and it wasn't all that pleasant. It was a little painful. But this is one of the things that occurred to me, that I don't want to be part of the problem. I, I consider, and, and here's, I'll just give you a quick background. I know I told you I'd be brief, and I'm starting to mess that up. This is my thought process. How's my prayer life? How's my time spent reading God's Word? How uh, am I doing in how I share the gospel on purpose every chance I get? How am I doing in um, in worship? How's my heart when I come to worship? And, And for me, just a snapshot, that means am I more concerned with making sure I have everything done I'm supposed to do or I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do or am I actually connecting with the Lord Jesus, when I'm in worship. And let me just tell you, that's, that can be a challenge sometimes. So all these things, how am I doing? Because if I'm not doing well in those areas, or not doing like I should be, then I, I could be the reason the gospel's not getting everywhere it needs to go. So I don't want to be that. And the second thing is this, I don't want to be the reason that this church doesn't serve others the way it should because this church is one of many not just in Aiken County not just in South Carolina but not just in the United States it's one of many on this planet that has a common goal make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you that is our mission love God Love others, make disciples. It's on the front of your bulletin. It's on the website. It's everywhere. Love God, love others, make disciples. Well, I don't want to be the reason that this this church doesn't knock that out of the park. I want to be one of the ones who is pushing forward, serving others, loving people toward Jesus. And so when I reflect on my own life I have to ask myself some questions that could be potentially uncomfortable because if I'm honest and objective then I have to say am I spending enough time reading the Bible? And not just reading it to check off a box reading it and connecting with what God says. Am I spending enough time in prayer? Am I spending enough time uh, with my people being on my radar as far as sharing the gospel message. How am I doing? And that's a question that I have to answer that none of you are accountable for, just me. But each of us is accountable for our own answers to those questions. So if if there's anything I can say, if there's any encouragement I can give you today, it's this. Examine your own heart and life. Ask yourself the difficult questions. Be willing to hear the honest answer straight from God. And then make whatever adjustments are, uh, are necessary. Because when I ask my, though, myself those questions and I make those statements, I don't want to be part of anybody's problem. I want to be part of God's solution. And, and I pray that we all want that because we're celebrating a fact today that this uh, representation of a cross not only is the cross empty the tomb is empty Jesus came and lived and died and was buried and has risen just as he said the story is true And we need to tell it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.